Heavenly Father Yahweh, uh, thank you for this this beautiful Sabbath that you provide us with every week. And Father, just help us draw near to your word tonight um, with these brothers and sisters and help your word just soak into our hearts and our minds so that we can go out to others and be a light to them and hold that candle so it shines bright. Father, we just want to thank you all for all that you provide for us and and we know that this world is is passing away and then we look forward to the to the next world that we're going to enjoy with you. And we pray all these things through your son Yeshua, our high priest and king. Amen. 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 Seth is gone again. <laughs> he keeps jumping out and coming back. He's probably got bad signal. Possible. We're going to do the uh, Nassau portion. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Numbers 21. So Yahweh spoke to Moshe saying, Take a census also of the sons of Gershon by their father's houses, by their clans. Register them from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, all who enter to perform the service, to do the service in the tent of appointment. This is the service of the clans of the Gershonites, in serving and in bearing burdens. And they shall bear the curtains of the dwelling place and the tent of appointment with its covering, the covering of fine leather that is on it, the covering for the door of the tent of appointment, and the screens of the courtyard and the covering for the door of the gate of the courtyard which is around the dwelling place and slaughter place and their cords all the equipment for their service and all that is made for them so shall they serve at the at the mouth of Aaron and his sons is all the service of the sons of the Gershonites all their burden and all their service and you shall appoint to them all the duty of their burden this is the service of the clans of the sons of Gershon in the tent of appointment and let their duties be under the hand of Ithamar, son of Aaron, the priest. As for the sons of Merari, register them by their clans and by their father's house. Register them from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, all who enter the service to do the work of the tent of appointment. And this is the duty of their burden, according to all their service for the tent of appointment. The boards of the dwelling place and its bars and its columns and its sockets and the columns around the courtyard with their sockets and their pegs and their cords with all their equipment and all their service and assign to each by name, the equipment of the duty of their burden. This is the service of the, of the clans of the sons of Merari as all their service for the tent of appointment under the hand of Ithamar, son of Aaron, the priest. So Moshe and Aaron and the leaders of the congregation registered the sons of the Kehathites by their clans and by their father's house from 30 years old and above even to 50 years old, all who entered the service for the work in the tent of appointment, and their registered ones by their clans were 2,750. These were the registered ones of the clans of the Kehathites, all those serving in the tent of appointment, whom Moshe and Aaron registered according to the mouth of Yahweh by the hand of Moshe. And those registered ones of the sons of Gershon by their clans and by their father's house from 30 years old and above, even 50 years old, all who entered the service for the work in the tent of appointment, the registered ones by their clans, by their father's house, were 2,630. These were the registered ones of all the clans of the sons of Gershon, 
of all who serve in the tent of appointment, whom Moshe and Aaron registered according to the mouth of Yahuwah. And those are the clans of the sons of Merari who were registered by their clans, by their father's house, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, all who entered the service for work in the tent of appointment. The registered ones by their clans were 3,200. These were the registered ones of the clans of the sons of Merari, whom Moshe and Aaron registered according to the mouth of Yahuwah by the hand of Moshe. All the registered ones of the Levites, whom Moshe and Aaron and the leaders of Israel registered by their clans and by their father's houses from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, all who came to do the work of service and the work of bearing burdens in the tent of appointment. Their registered ones were 8,580. According to the mouth of Yahuwah, they were registered by the hand of Moshe, each according to his service and according to his burden. Thus were they registered by him, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And that's why, let's see, I just thought about something too, and I've read this before, and I know this, and we were talking about this the other day, Miss Tammy, but I don't think that John the Baptist was old enough to take up service in the temple. Ooh, great point, because it's, I was getting ready to say something, I was getting ready to say, it sounds like they, to me, they didn't start serving until they were 30. Yeah, from 30 to 50. They started training at 25. They started what? Training at 25 and stepped into it at 30. They could go to 60, but he, he let, the, when you turn 50, then the older ones step down from so much chores and stuff around the temple. Do you think the Pharisees would have let John the Baptist in the temple? Like, because he was a, he was definitely a true Levite. I think he was. Well, he that, yes. Yeah, he was from what? What's that line called? Justin, I told you today. I thought he was from the Zadok. Zadok. Yeah. Yeah. I think almost all the prophets was from the Zadok priest line. But I don't think I, I, I don't know. Because John John was older, six months older than, than Yeshua. Mm -hmm. And Yeshua went into the temple. I think John the Baptist was coming out of the wilderness from being taught by the Holy by being taught by the Father. He was mm -hmm. coming and stepping in. And as soon as he stepped in, because you remember who was it, Hezekiah? Um, you know, the Jewish people always try to say that the prophecy in Hezekiah was um I might be getting a little confused or something. Help me out. But it's where they say, um, that he is the the king of kings where it says that Jesus has so many names and they try to say that's not about Jesus. Oh, that's Isaiah 9. Okay. Well, um, oh, I'm, I'm lost my train of thought. But Hezekiah will never let them anoint him. So that disqualified him. That's how you can disprove that claim in one point. 
when you're talking to a Jew because he didn't let them anoint him. Where Yeshua let John the Baptist anoint him, but he was anointed with water and the Spirit. I was going to say also with Isaiah 9, uh, if you go through the age of Hezekiah when it's talking about how it would be called Mighty Counselor, Wonderful and all that, all those names. Um, Hezekiah was older than what he would have been at that point because they say that what well, Isaiah 7 is about Hezekiah, Isaiah 9 is Hezekiah, but for a, a, a virgin to conceive and give birth, which they'll argue that it's not virgin, that it's supposed to be a Betula, which I disagree but anyways uh <laughs> they say that's about hezekiah but yet hezekiah was i think about 12 at that time and that says that you know the oh. individual before he knows what is right and wrong he will be eating um he'll be eating honey and then it was he'll be eating honey. i'm getting my stuff mixed up now but yeah anyhow <laughs> Before he knows what is right and wrong, but yet Hezekiah was 12, and I think that, or at least 12, and I think that's plenty old enough to know what is right and wrong. True. Yeah, for the child. Yeah, who would be eating curds and honey? That's what it says. Yeah. So why do you think he would, Dustin? Go back to the very first question you said. Which you don't think well, because, he would. Well, if, if he's only six months older than Yeshua, I'm trying to remember. Did he, did Messiah start his ministry before or after the death of John the Baptist? That's when he would come out of the wilderness. And when he come out of the wilderness, then he went to choosing, right? I may be wrong. Hit me out. Wouldn't he be starting his ministry after? Yeah. So he went into the wilderness. And he come out of the wilderness, was baptized, and stepped into his ministry. Yeah. I think that would yeah. be like one of the, uh, that would be the, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? That would be the place where he he was confirmed about his ministry because it yeah, says yeah. the dove came down and said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. And kind of like the same thing with John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and he yeah. came out of the wilderness and started baptizing, repenting. He was preparing the way for the Messiah. Yeah. Yep. And then at that point, when he was baptized, the father was letting everybody know who he was <laughs> which he already knew because Mary I'm sure Mary already told him well John the Baptist because when John the Baptist knew yep. he he told him yep you know holding that even who was it Dustin wasn't it Andrew that lived from falling John the Baptist and started falling Yeshua. 
And I think it was Andrew that was John the Baptist's disciple first. Even before he baptized, he said, Behold, the the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Yeah. You know. So they all knew. I mean, he knew, but I think that con that was like, boom, there's the confirmation. Like it could have been the start of his ministry right there, but he was already preaching in the temple at 12 years old. Yeah. I mean, his whole life was a ministry. But but when he gathered his disciples, was um was that after his baptism? Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. when he gets his 12, just like we read a couple of weeks ago where uh, Moses had the 12 tribes. You know, Yeshua had the 12 disciples. It was prophesied too about Yeshua being at the temple because who, who was it that was at the temple? And the father had told him he wouldn't die until he seen the Messiah. And he seen the Messiah at the temple at 12 preaching. And he said, right. now I, I am seeing the Messiah. Yeah, Simone. Yeah, so that was prophesied. It had to be fulfilled. Yep. True that. Anything else? If not, Dustin, get to reading, buddy. <laughs> Is we doing too All much, Justin? Right. Just tell us to be quiet uh, when you want. To <laughs> no, you're fine. I was trying to. I was trying to Google that. I think that I. I, I still think I'm on something. I think that first of all, he probably would have, at least by the time, because it's speculation that Yeshua started his ministry about 30 years old, right? I yeah. think that. Um, Based on this, like what we were just reading, I don't think that John the Baptist was of age to be in the temple. And even when he became of age, it's very possible that he would have rejected the to do it because of the corruption in the temple. I don't think they would have let him in the temple. That's, that's, that's it, Papa. Huh? very possible. Too. I told us and I said, keep studying it out. Let us know what you find, or if you need our help, let us know. If you feel like you're on something, study it out. Keep going at it. Because he, I mean, John the Baptist did have a ministry. It was in the wilderness. Like he, he was he baptizing. Ministry, you're right. Yeah, he was baptizing in the River Jordan. But look who was running a large following. Yeah, and that's what the Pharisees. That's why they wanted to kill Jesus, kill Yeshua, because. Um, he was performing miracles and they were worried about people following him. Mm. You know, I believe that's why they killed yep. John the Baptist. He had a ministry going. I just don't think he was allowed in the, in the temple because of the corruption. You know, Caiaphas and his dad were running the temple and his five brothers. You know. We'll look into it. Right now, yeah. we're going to look into chapter five. <laughs> yeah, dude. Go ahead, bud. It says, And Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Command the children of Israel to send out of the camp every leper 
and everyone who has a discharge and whoever becomes defiled for a being, send out both male and female, send them outside the camp so that they do not defile their camps in the midst of which I dwell. And the children of Israel did so to send them outside the camp. As Yahweh had spoken to Moshe, so the children of Israel did. Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Israel. When a man or woman commits any sin that men commit entrance or trespass against Yahweh, and that being is guilty, then they shall confess their sin which they have done, and he shall restore his guilt in its principle plus one fifth, or fifth of it, and give it to whom he has been guilty. But if the man has no redeemer to restore the guilt to, the guilt is, which is restored goes to Yahweh or the priest, in addition to the ram of the atonement with which atonement is made for him. And every contribution of all the set-apart gifts of the children of Israel, which they bring to the priest, becomes his. And every man's set-apart gifts become his. Whatever any man gives the priest becomes his. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any man's wife turns aside and has committed a trespass against him, and a man has intercourse with her, and it is hidden from his eye or from the eyes of her husband, and it is concealed that she has defiled herself, and there was no witness against her, nor was she caught, and a spirit of jealousy comes upon him, and he becomes jealous of his wife, who has defiled herself, or a spirit of jealousy comes upon him, and he becomes jealous of himself, although she has not defiled herself, then the man shall bring his wife to the priest, and he shall bring the offering for her, one-tenth of an ephah of barley flour. He is not to pour oil on it or put frankincense on it, because it is a grain offering of jealousy, an offering for remembering, for bringing crookedness to remembrance. And the priest shall bring her near, and shall make her stand before Yahweh. And the priest shall take Set apart water in an earthen vessel, and take some of the dust that is on the floor of the dwelling place, and put it into the water. And the priest shall make the woman stand before Yahweh, and shall uncover the woman's head, and put the offering for her remembering in her hands, which is the grain offering of jealousy, while the priest holds in his hand the bitter water that brings a curse. And the woman shall make her swear, or and the priest shall make her swear, and say to the woman, if no man has lain with you, and if you have not turned aside to uncleanness under your husband's authority, be free from this bitter water that brings a curse. But if you have turned aside under your husband's authority, and if you have defiled yourself and some other man other than your husband has lain with you, then the priest shall make the woman swear with the oath of the curse, and he shall say to the woman, Yahweh make you a curse and an oath among your people when Yahweh makes your thigh waste away and your belly swell. And this water that cause, causes the curse shall go into your inward parts and make your belly swell and your thigh waste away. And the woman shall say, Amen, Amen. And the priest shall wipe these curse, write these curses in a book and shall wipe them off into the bitter water and shall make the woman drink the bitter water that brings the curse and the water that brings the curse shall enter her to become bitter. And the priest shall take the grain offering of jealousy from the woman's hand and shall wave the offering before Yahweh and bring it into the slaughter place. And the priest shall take a hand filled with the offering as its remembrance offering and burn it on the slaughter place. And afterward, make the woman drink the water. And when she or when he has made her drink the water, then it shall be, if she has defiled herself and has committed a trespass against her husband, that the water that brings the curse shall enter her and become bitter, and her belly shall swell, and her thigh shall waste away. 
and the woman shall become a curse among her people. But if the woman has not defiled herself and is clean, then she shall be clear and shall conceive children. This is the Torah of jealousy. When a wife turns aside under her husband's authority and defiles herself, or when a spirit of jealousy comes upon a man and he becomes jealous of his wife, then he shall make the woman stand before Yahweh, and the priest shall do to her according to all this Torah. And the woman shall, or, and the man shall be clear from crookedness, but the woman bear her crookedness. And that study right there can explain why Yeshua doing what he doing when they brought the woman that was accusing of adultery. Yeah. Who's Sam? Somebody was talking about that the other day. What's that? No. I was watching on TikTok. Somebody was going back and forth. Uh, they were talking about that when the woman was brought to her. Said that uh, uh, the woman was innocent, and that's why Yeshua let her go. No, that's the case. Why did he say go forth and sin no more? She was innocent. Why did he say don't sin? They didn't bring them. They didn't bring no witnesses. Well, they didn't bring the mail. No witnesses. They didn't bring the man. They didn't bring no witnesses. There's two, two ways you can look at that. They're, yeah, it says if two are caught in adultery, they're supposed to bring the male and the. They're supposed yeah. to bring both of them, yeah. but they only brought one, yeah. so that there would be. You can't just bring one person if, if you're committing adultery. You have to bring both. Read that again, Justin. Where it says who's supposed to come. Well, this is about if a man is, um, if a man suspects, right? And it has been hidden from him, right? Right. So it says, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when any man's wife turns aside and has committed a trespass against him and a man has intercourse with her, and it is hidden from the eyes of her husband, and it is concealed that she has defiled herself, and there was no witness against her, nor was she caught, and a spirit of jealousy comes upon him, and he becomes jealous of his wife, or, or who has defiled herself, or a spirit of jealousy comes upon him, and he becomes jealous of his wife, although she did not defile herself, then the man shall bring his wife to the priest. To me, the priest should have went to the husband too. I think it's uh, Leviticus. Yeah, it says, um, and the man that commits adultery, adultery yeah. with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulterer, adulteress shall surely be put to death. So when, yep. they're, when they're bringing that woman to Yeshua, they didn't. They didn't bring the man. They only brought the woman. Right. So they were. That's why he said those without sin cast the first stone, because they would all be sinning, because they didn't bring. If they said that they caught this woman in adultery, well, if you catch somebody in adultery, you're going to be. There's a man with her. 
but yeah. you didn't break the man. So they were going to wrongfully stone this woman to death mm-hmm. because there was no evidence. <clears throat> they were just going off their word at that point. But in this passage here that we just read, if the man thinks that his wife has committed an adulterous act, then he's to take her to the high priest and get clarification and drink that truth serum. (laughs) Basically what it is. Yeah, basically it's going to let him, yeah. Because basically the man in this path we just read has suspicions that his wife is, you know, cheating on him. Yep. So... They also had, this is the only one where they had to wait on a sign from heaven and not the truth. Yep. So, looking at the definitions real quick. Numbers 518, I thought that was interesting because I, I don't recall ever seeing anything about head coverings in the Torah. But it says, and shall uncover the woman's head. Well, uncover can mean that she's wearing a covering, but it could also not because the word is para. It says to loosen. By implication to dis- to expose, um, yeah, or make naked, set it not, uncover. It's interesting. And this Bible says unbind her hair. Unbind her hair, so like it was in a wrapping or something like that. Like a bun. Or were you thinking of an actual head covering? I don't know. That's not in Torah, huh? Huh? That's not in Torah, is it? Say that's not in Torah? Right, head coverings. Well, that's what I'm trying to figure out here. Because numbers five eighteen seems like she's wearing head covering. And shall uncover the woman's head if it was. It doesn't. It still doesn't necessarily mean that there's supposed to be a covering. I mean, I, know I was just. Yeah, I don't think there's a law. Google, um, Google reference for that verse, Dustin. And she got the computer too. I got eSword. Check that out. And it gives the reference to First Corinthians eleven. 
Uh, something else we're going to look into, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'll say this. I don't think it's a bad practice, but I don't see anywhere where it's commanded in the Torah. First Corinthians 11, what? Now look it up. And if you want to go on. It's, it's 11. Uh, I think it's like 10 through... Yes, yeah, that whole passage, two through sixteen. Okay. Um. All right. Yeah, we'll go to number six. This is Nazarite Bell. Says Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, "Speak to the children of Israel and say to them: When a man or a woman does separate by making a vow of, of a Nazarite to be separate to Yahweh, he separates himself from wine and strong drink. He drinks neither vinegar of wine nor vinegar of strong drink. Neither does he drink any grape juice nor eat grapes or raisins." All the days of his separation, he does not eat whatever is made of the grapevine from seed to skin. All the days of the vow of his separate or separation, a razor does not come upon his head until the days are completed for which he does separate himself to Yahweh. He is set apart. He shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow long. All the days of his separation to Yahweh, he does not go near a dead body. He does not make himself unclean for his father or for his mother or for his brother or his sister when they die because his separation to Elohim is on his head. All the days of his separation, he is set apart to Yahweh. And when anyone dies beside him in an instant, suddenly, and he has been defiled or he has defiled the head of his separation, then he shall shave his head on the day of his cleansing. On the seventh day, he shaves it. And on the eighth day, he brings two turtle doves or two young pigeons to the priest to the door of the tent of appointment. And the priest shall prepare one as a sin offering and the other as an ascending offering and shall make atonement for him because he has sinned by reason of the dead body. And he shall set apart his head on that day and shall separate to Yahweh the days of his separation and shall bring a male lamb, a year old, as a guilt offering. But the former days are not counted because the separation was defiled. And this is the Torah of the Nazarite. When the days of his separation are completed, he is brought to the door of the tent of appointment, and he shall bring his offering to Yahweh. One male lamb, a year old, a perfect one, as an ascending offering, and one ewe lamb, a year old, a perfect one, as a sin offering, and one ram, a perfect one, as a peace offering, and a basket of unleavened bread, cakes of fine flour mixed with oil, and unleavened thin cakes anointed with oil, and their grain offering with their drink offerings. And the priest shall bring them before Yahweh and prepare his sin offering and his ascending offering. And he shall prepare the ram as a slaughtering of peace offerings to Yahweh, together with a basket of unleavened bread. And the priest shall prepare its grain offering and its drink offering. And the Nazarite shall shave the head of his separation at the door of the tent of appointment and shall take the hair from the head of his separation and shall put it on the fire, which is under the slaughtering of the peace offerings. And the priest shall take the boiled shoulder of the ram and one unleavened cake from the basket and one unleavened thin cake and put them upon the hands of the Nazarite after he has shaved his hair of separation. Then the priest shall wave them, a wave offering before Yahweh. 
and is a set apart or is set apart for the priest besides the breast of the wave offering and besides the thigh of the contribution and afterwards the Nazarite shall drink wine. This is the Torah of the Nazarite who vows to Yahweh the offering for his separation and besides that whatever else his hand is able to provide according to the vow which he takes so he shall do according to the Torah of his separation. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is how you bless the children of Israel. Say to them, Yahweh bless you and guard you. Yahweh make his face shine upon you and show favor to you. Yahweh lift up his face upon you and give you peace. Thus they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I myself shall bless them. I'm coming, Dustin. I'm still reading. I'm coming. Hey, uh, real quick. Back in Second Samuel uh, thirteen nineteen, it just says she had a garment of diverse colors upon her. For with such robes were the king's daughters that were the virgins appareled. Then his servant brought her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of diverse color, cover, colors that were on her and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. I think that's where they get that from, about the garments on her head. Huh. She was wearing a head. And as far as this chapter you just read, it brings about Acts 21. I'm going to um, picture to your chat to show you what that head covering looked like in the picture, okay? All right. It's going to take me a little bit. You can keep talking. I'm slow, Papa. Um, you're all right. Good. I'm slow, too. <laughs> it says Acts 21. It says Yeah, Acts 21 is where Peter brings the or Peter. Paul was told to bring the uh, offerings of the Nazarite. Yeah, it says uh, and they are informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews or among the Gentiles to forsake Moses saying that Thou art not circumcised thy, their children, neither walk into their customs. What is it therefore the multitude must needs come together that they will hear that thou art come? Do therefore um, this that we say to thee, we have four men which have a vow on them. So they're, I guess they've already entered the vow. And it says, take yeah. them and purify thyself with them. And be at charge with them that they may shave their heads and that all may know that those things were off that they are informed concerning thee are nothing, but thou thyself also walk orderly and keepest the law. As touching the Gentiles, we believe we have written and concluded that they observe no such thing, save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood and from strangled and from fornication. Then Paul uh, took them the next day, purifying themselves with, with them, entered into the temple to signify 
the accomplishment of the days of purification until that offering should be offered for every one of them, which would be the two turtle doves and all that stuff and the rams. So he's still like from Acts, uh, Acts 15, 20. He's still saying that they just abstain from, you know, the idols and the blood and the things strangled from fornication mm-hmm. until they, they learn, you know, because we have Moses preached every Sabbath, you know, they're going to learn the law of God, the commandments by going week to week. I wonder if they had to shave their eyebrows. There was things they had to do. Just a hair in the head. You read all sure the. You read all about the Nazarite vow. You finished with that, ain't you, Dawson? Yeah. Well, there was three things they had to stain from. That was totally absent from grapes, refined from cutting one hair. And avoid coming near to a corpse. Did y'all find anything else in there? You said how many things? Three. Ooh, there's five things. What's the five? You have to you have to abstain from basically all alcohol. So because it says wine and strong drink. Right, that's fine. You know. Yeah, fermented. Yeah, anything. Um, you have to abstain from vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drinks. So vinegar. You have to abstain from um, well, grape juice. I just say grapes because it covers both. And then you don't cut your hair and you have to abstain from the presence of a dead body. It's five things. Because it says don't. This one says grape juice, but it it's literally translated as the juice from grapes or grapes or dried grapes, which we know as raisins nowadays. You know why grapefruit uh, Sunday? You say what? Um, grapefruit's on there too, ain't it? Not that I see. I, I just see grapes. That you just read? I don't know. Yeah. He's back there. Verse 3, it says, Neither does he drink any grape juice, nor eat grapes or raisins, which, like I said, it's it's literally... Don't eat grapes or uh, whether fresh or dried. It's just talking about the fruit of the vine. Yeah. And you think that's decaying like fermenting. They weren't supposed to eat it. Yeah, because yeast naturally occurs on grapes. I think that's why, because you're not supposed to have any any drink at all. 
this is where I talk about how they want to try to make fence laws, but yet the Torah itself is a fence law. Says don't drink and also don't eat grapes where yeast naturally occurs and don't drink the juice of the grapes where <laughs> yeast naturally occurs and would cause it to be wine, nor drink the vinegar which is made from wine or strong drink. <laughs> Do not be in the presence of a dead body. Also, it doesn't matter whether it's your mom, your dad, your brother, or your sister. There's fence laws within the Torah. So there's no need for any other fence laws. Yeah, true that. <laughs> I mean, Torah just... The Torah is just the Torah. It, does, it doesn't. Yeah. It's just the complete instructions. So they can't add to them. They can't take away from them. Yep. I believe that's what that's what Judaism and and some aspects of Christianity will take away from it, and Judaism will add to it. Doesn't mean they're wicked people. John the Baptist was a Nazarite from birth. There's two different kinds of Nazarites. One that's from birth and one that takes the vow. The one that takes the vow is just for a period of time. This specifies seven, but I... So are you saying it would be... Go longer than that. You say, you're saying that it would be uh, legit Levites would be a Nazarite from birth. Like if you were, if you were born into the uh, Levitical priesthood. I don't you think to, so. Because you have to be born into it to be a Levite. Yeah. So. I don't think that a Levite would have to be a Nazarite. Or, or but, you know, be a uh, under the charge of being a Nazarite. And I say that because why would there be commands for, there would be separate, there's separate commands for, you know, don't drink before you enter the tent of appointment. Well, the reason I'm bringing that up is because the the ones that minister the law are not supposed to be drinking strong drink or, or wine while they're teaching, like they're ministering. While they're teaching, exactly. That's what I'm yeah. saying. There was never a command that said that they couldn't drink after the fact. Right. Hannah, Hannah, um, Hannah, Gave her child a Nazaretic vow. Remember, what was he? What was his name? You remember Hannah prayed in her heart mm. and told the Lord that if you give me a child, he won't cut his hair or drink wine, and she'll offer offer him back to him when she weaned him. I think it's three oh, months. You're talking about uh, Samuel. Samuel, well, where was Samuel yeah. from? I'm pretty sure Samuel was a Levite. Was Samuel a Levite? I'm pretty sure. I'm not positive. It's going to be first Samuel 1. Well, you're getting into that a little bit later, ain't you? Yeah, we, I mean, we can go, we go through all this stuff after words. Well, I'm yeah. fine with that. So, so after they, <laughs> so, hello, I'm speaking here. <laughs> I, I'm just playing. Uh, so when you that's, said that's they right. can't, they can't drink 
when they're preaching, right? <laughs> so afterwards, can they can they only drink a little bit? Is getting polluted a sin? Are they allowed to get drunk or not? I don't think they're allowed to get drunk. Living in Nobody. living in drunkenness is never good. <laughs> I think I think you drink to your, your heart's merry, but yeah. you're not supposed to be getting drunk. I think it's like basically drink till you get a little, you know, a little blushy cheeked <laughs> and then um and then let it go. <laughs> well what if because, what if somebody drinks can drink like, you know, thirteen beers and then get like that? It has nothing to do with the quantity. It has to do with yeah. your character. Yeah. Well, I think it's when you start, when you drink to step outside of your normal behavior and your mind, I think that's when those yeah. other spirits kick in. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, and, like you got to ask somebody next day what you're doing. Yeah. What did I do last yeah. night? <laughs> when somebody tells you, hey, get off the roof and put your clothes back on, man. Yeah, we yeah. got a problem. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's definitely some spiritual influence there going on because <laughs> they call them spirits, you know. Yeah, we're supposed right, to be sober. I drink a little bit, but I don't get never get drunk ever. Exactly, never. I do too. I do too. Makes my body feel better sometimes. Drink, drinking wine or a few beers or a couple shots of whiskey, it makes my body feel better. You know, I'm old. Kind of, yeah, kind of yeah, but I don't I used to I used to be a drunkard a long time ago and now you know I don't and now if I know somebody has a problem with alcohols around me I just won't drink around them so I just I don't want to make them stumble I agree now, what about smoking? What about smoking weed? Some people believe cannabis is in the Bible, and that it's a, an herb from the ground, and that it's all good. Yeah, I'm on. I think this is my belief. I mean, so if if you're putting smoke into your lungs, I think that's an unnatural act. Just like smoking cigarettes, like you're you're filling your lungs with with um, resin, and that would constitute i think that no don't get me wrong i think that uh cannabis has a lot of healing properties to it like cbd oils and stuff like that but as far as um smoking it i don't think so and it does help with cancer patients like people make brownies and they put that in there i don't know if the thc in your blood does any damage but i know smoking it does that'd be no different than Smoking crack, the cocoa plant, or smoking cigarettes, the tobacco plant, you know, eventually it's going to do some some kind of harm to your body. Right. Yeah, you don't want the Holy Spirit coughing inside of you, man. Saying, put that out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can't breathe in here, guys. <laughs> yep. I mean, we wouldn't sit in a house or, you know, like like when you're burning firewood, you don't want to sit there and inhale the smoke. It'd make it choke. Yeah, it messes me up. That stuff messes me up for like a week afterwards, have, being in front yeah. of a fire. Yeah. And if I breathe it in, yeah, it messes me up. So I, I just don't think our bodies were designed to take in 
smoke into our lungs. I mean, there's, I don't think there's any instance in the entire world of people smoking. But that's just my thoughts on I could be wrong. That's all I'm saying. Because I, when I was younger, I used to smoke weed. And now I, I just, I could never do that. So. So you're saying CB, CBD is okay? Even yeah. if it has, some CBD has uh, only allowed a certain amount, like 0.03% of THC. Right. I've taken I've taken Excellent. one I've taken ones that called Delta Eight, uh-huh. and I didn't know that THC was in it, and I started feeling the feeling I would get when I tried smoking weed a long time ago, you know, before I was a Christian, right? And I my heart started racing. I started getting paranoid. I'm like, no, this is not good. <laughs> so. I mean, I like I said I don't know the I don't know the effects like on CBD into your skin, you know, they have oils you can rub on your joints and stuff like that. Um, they got water droplets. Yeah. That um, stuff don't have THC. You, know, you put it in your, you right. don't feel high from that. So I guess, right. I don't, I don't, I think that has, that's good for you. I don't know, but that's what I'm saying. I don't know about the THC because THC goes into your bloodstream and that's where you, you know, you get that euphoric high. And, you know, Rastafarians, they, they think that, you know, smoking weed, you know, gets you closer to the jaw. And I just don't agree with that. I mean, they're not bad people, but I mean, if you can do that, then, you know, people in Colombia, I'm like, Hey, you know, we can, we can snort the cocaine and it makes it closest to God. You know, I mean, where's the stop at that point? You know, yeah, I think you, we're supposed to get closer stuff, to you God. Get close to aliens too, man. Yeah, make it close. Well, to drugs, anybody. you know, drugs, drugs are, are linked to um, demonic um, possession. Yeah, people who do uh, the DMT, you know, acid shrooms, all that stuff. Yeah, especially DMT. There's a guy at work; he does DMT. Oh, what is DM- I never heard of that. What is DMT? <laughs> it's some kind of super hallucinant hallucinogenic oh wow and he said he's met demons and i was like but buddy you did meet demons you're exposing yourself to demons when you do that i mean i let him live straight up and you can tell his brain's not off there <laughs> yeah and i don't want to let him up in the power line but all you can do is preach to him lead a horse to water but you can't make a drink right number seven this one's really long eight chapters eight nine verses Yeah. I'm sorry, just going to remind you. <laughs> Might want to drink some water for this yeah, it's one. It's like three pages. <laughs> it's like three pages. Oh gosh. 
And it came to be, when Moshe finished setting up the dwelling place, that he anointed it and set it apart in all its furnishings, as well as the slaughter place and all its utensils. Thus he anointed them and set them apart. And the leaders of Yisrael, heads of their father's houses, who were the leaders of the tribes and over the ones registered, drew near. And they brought their offerings before Yahuwah, six covered wagons and twelve cattle, a wagon for every two of the leaders, and for each one a bull. And they brought them near before the dwelling place. And Yahuwah spoke to Moshe, saying, Accept these from them, and they shall be used in doing the service of the tent of appointment. And you shall give them to the Levites, each one according to his service. And Moshe took the wagons and the cattle and gave them to the Levites. He gave two wagons and four cattle to the sons of Gershon according to their service. And he gave four wagons and eight cattle to the sons of Merari according to their service under the hand of Ithamar, son of Aaron the priest. But to the sons of Kahath he gave none, because theirs was the service of the set-apart objects, which they bore on their shoulders. And the leaders brought the dedication offering of the slaughter place in the day it was anointed. So the leaders brought their offering before the slaughter place. Yahweh said to Moshe, Let them bring their offering, one leader each day, for the dedication of the slaughter place. And the one who brought his offering on the first day was Nashon, son of Amenadab, from the tribe of Yehuda. And his offering was one silver dish, the weight of which was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the set-apart place, both of them filled with fine flour with, or mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold ladle of 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old, as an ascending offering, one male goat as a sin offering, and as a slaughtering of peace offerings, two cattle, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs a year old. This was the offering of Nashon, son of Amenadab. On the second day, Nathaniel, son of Tsuar, leader of Hesekar, brought near. He brought his offering, one silver dish, the weight of which was 130 shekels, a silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the set-apart place both of them filled with fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold ladle of ten shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old as an ascending offering, one male goat as a sin offering, and as a slaughtering of peace offerings, two cattle, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs a year old. This was the offering of Nathaniel, son of Suar. On the third day, Eliab, son of Helon, leader of the children of Zebulun, his offering was one silver dish, the weight of which was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the set-apart place, both of them filled with fine flour, mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold ladle of 10 shekels, filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old, as an ascending offering, one male goat as a sin offering, and as a slaughtering of peace offerings, two cattle, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs a year old. This was the offering of Eliab, son of Chelon. On the fourth day, Eliezer, son of Shedeir, Shedeir, leader of the children of Reuben, his offering was one silver dish, the weight of which was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the set-apart place, both of them filled with fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering one gold ladle of ten shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old as an ascending offering, one male goat as a sin offering, 
and as a slaughtering of peace offerings, two cattle, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs a year old. This was the offering of Elitzer, son of Shedir. On the fifth day, Shalumiel, son of Siri Shaddai, leader of the children of Shimon, his offering was one silver dish, the weight of which was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel the set-apart place, both of them filled with fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold ladle of 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old, as an ascending offering, one male goat as a sin offering, and as a slaughtering of peace offerings, two cattle, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs a year old, this was the offering of Shilumiel, son of Siri Shaddai. On the sixth day, Eliasaph, son of Deuel, leader of the children of Gad, his offering was one silver dish, the weight of which was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the set-apart place, both of them filled with fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold ladle of 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old, as an ascending offering, one male goat as a sin offering, and as a slaughtering of peace offerings, two cattle, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs a year old. This was the offering of Eliasaph, son of Deuel. On the seventh day, Elishama, son of Amihud, leader of the children of Ephraim, his offering was one silver dish, the weight of which was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the set-apart place, both of them filled with fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold ladle of 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old as an ascending offering, one male goat as a sin offering, and as a slaughtering of peace offerings, two cattle, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs a year old. This was the offering of Elishama, son of, son of Amihud. On the eighth day, Gamaliel, son of Pedatzer, leader of the children of Manasseh. His offering was one silver dish, the weight of which was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the set-apart place, both of them filled with fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold ladle of 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old, as an ascending offering, one male goat as a sin offering, and as a slaughtering of peace offerings, two cattle, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs a year old. This was the offering of Gamaliel, son of Pedeser. On the ninth day, Abidan, son of Gidoni, leader of the children of Binyamin, his offering was one silver dish, the weight of which was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekels set apart place, both of them filled with fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold ladle of 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old as an ascending offering, one male goat as a sin offering, and as a slaughtering of peace offerings, two cattle, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs a year old. This was the offering of Abidan, son of Donai. On the 10th day, Ahiezer, son of Amishadai, leader of the children of Dan, his offering was one silver dish, the weight of which was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the set-apart place, both of them filled with fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, 
one gold ladle of ten shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, one male and a year old as an ascending offering, one male goat as a sin offering, and as a soldering of peace offerings, two cattle, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs a year old. This was the offering of Ahiezer, son of Amishadai. On the eleventh day, Hagiel, son of Okran, leader of the children of Asher, his offering was one silver dish, the weight of which was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the set-apart place, both of them filled with fine flour with oil as a grain offering, one gold ladle of 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old as an ascending offering, one male goat as a sin offering, and as a slaughtering of peace offerings, two cattle, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs a year old, this was the offering of Pagiel, son of Okran. On the twelfth day, Ahira, son of Enan, leader of the children of Naphtali, his offering was one silver dish, the weight of which was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the set-apart place, both of them filled with fine flour, with oil as a grain offering. One gold ladle of ten shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old as an ascending offering, one male goat as a sin offering, and as a slaughtering of peace offerings, two cattle, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs a year old. This was the offering of, of Ahira, son of Enan. This was the dedication of slaughter out the slaughter place from the leaders of Israel when it was anointed. Twelve silver dishes, twelve silver bowls, twelve gold ladles. Each silver dish was 130 shekels and each bowl 70 shekels. All the silver of the vessels was 2,400 shekels according to the shekel of the set-apart place. The 12 gold ladles filled with incense was 10 shekels each according to the shekel of the set-apart place. All the gold of the ladles was 120 shekels. All the cattle for the ascending offerings were 12 young bulls, the rams 12, the male lambs a year old 12, with their grain offering, and the male goats as a sin offering, 12. And all the cattle for the slaughtering of the peace offerings were 24 bulls, the rams, 60, the male goats, 60, the lambs, a year old, 60. This was the dedication of the slaughter place after it was anointed. And when Moshe went into the tent of appointment to speak with him, he heard the voice of one speaking to him from above the lid of atonement that was, of, or that was on the ark of the witness from between the two cherubim Thus he spoke to him. That's the end of the Torah part of this portion. <laughs> I know Joseph and uh, Levi weren't in there because Joseph's two sons were in there, Manasseh and Ephraim. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of offerings. Yeah. If anybody ever wants to sum it up, you know, in the future, just Go to verse 84. <laughs> Next year, you're just going to read verse 84? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll probably still read read it the way that it's read. <laughs> I'm just pointing that out. Well, there is a summary. <laughs>
That's right. I think that's why they call it numbers. There's a lot of numbers in numbers. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. You got anything to add? Um, not with that chapter. That one's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, um, so- there was a lot of a lot of um offerings brought and yeah. <laughs> so what was the point of all that? I after a while it sounds like you know, I have to repent because like after a while it sounds like Charlie Brown teacher. It's well, just well. like repetitive. Well. Yeah. And so what like what is the reason for all of that? Like, you know, like what is the topic of that chapter or whatever you read? To anoint the uh slaughter place. And to bring the portions from the heads of each tribe that they were yeah. going to donate for, uh, to it. Because the Levites were ransomed in place of the firstborn. So all of this was anointing of the altar, for the anointing of the altar, and uh, just contributions so that they can do what they need to do. Plus, it's you were here. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, plus, it shows you that it, uh, Manasseh and Ephraim are were considered part of the, you know, as children considered part of the tribes. You know, because he he married an Egyptian woman, right? Didn't Joseph marry an Egyptian woman? Yeah. So would his kids, they wouldn't be full-blooded Israelites, would they? But they're accepted. You got to remember what Joseph's father did on the blade. He blessed him. Mm -hmm. That's right. He switched switched around too. Yep. But he still blessed him. Like, that's where, you know, it just goes to show you right here that, you know, God, God's always intended for his people and the nations to assemble back to him. Mm Mm-hmm. Always. And it don't matter what color your skin is. It don't matter what color your skin is. It don't matter if you're a natural born Jew or or you're not. So you, you're assembled from the nations. Job was from the land of Ur. But what did Joseph do? Did Joseph paint his skin for his brothers not to recognize him? Exactly. Even Job. Job was uh, let's see. That would make uh, Esau was was Job's grandfather. So yeah. he was from he was Chaldean. He wasn't he wasn't Israelite. But Where he was Abraham Jewish. is from too. Yeah, yeah, and they were considered righteous. So, 
the whole righteous unrighteous individuals from Chaldeans and and from Israel. Why? Because it doesn't matter what the heck color your skin is. What matters is your behavior. Are you loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your might, and all your being? Are you loving your neighbor as yourself? If you're not doing both of those things, you're unrighteous. You need to repent and get back on the right track. He didn't say go scrub off the color of your skin or paint the color of your skin. He said, no, get your behavior right. Circumcise your heart. Write these laws on your heart and do them. (laughs) Sin is the devil's behavior. Righteousness is Yeshua and the Father's behavior. It's that simple. It has nothing to do with your ethnic background or anything. Revelation 7-9 points that. Standing before the throne, there was a great multitude of all nations, tongues, and kindreds of people. So, still a bunch of hate groups out there. There's always going to be some hate groups. Also, I want to point out, like, people like to say that the northern tribe was scattered and was and never came back. That's a complete false lie, too. And I know Jeroboam was given 10 tribes, but um, it says that Anna was from the tribe of uh, Asher. It was Anna. Yeah. And she served in the temple. So and all through the Bible, it talks about people coming back and repenting. So that's another kind of false teaching that's going around that the 10 tribes are lost. They never came back home. Yeah, they did. When they repented, they did. (laughs) I think there was an old Jim Staley, which I like Jim Staley. I learned a lot from him. But once you start looking into some of these things, you have to still question people. Silence. Oh, I'm here. <laughs> what you got next, Dustin? I'm here. I'm listening. We're all worried about Samson. Bonus points if anybody knows where that is. Judges. Yeah, judges what? Um, I have to research that more. Just know some judges. It's thirteen. Oh man, really? You had me. Judges 13. I even got it written above it. It's on the screen. I know. Yeah, it is on the screen too, by the way. <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah, right there. <laughs> right uh, down. This is specifically the birth of Samson. For those who didn't know, there was two Noahs. There was Manoah and Noah. 
<laughs> All right. Just kidding. Anyways, um, actually, there is two Noahs, but that's a different story. It says, and again, the children of Israel did evil in the eyes of Yahweh. So Yahweh gave them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. <clears throat> and there was a certain man from Sora of the clan of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had, no, and had not born. And a messenger of Yahweh appeared to the woman and said to her, See now, you are barren and have not born, but you shall conceive and you shall bear a son. And now please guard and do not drink wine or strong drink and do not eat any unclean food. For look, you are conceiving and bearing a son. And let no razor come upon his head, for the youth is a Nazarite to Elohim from the womb on. Nazarite from birth. And he shall begin to save Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Philistines. And the woman came and spoke to her husband, saying, A man of Elohim came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of a messenger of Elohim. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not declare to me his name. And he said to me, see, you are conceiving and bearing a son, and now drink no wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean food, for the youth is a Nazarite from Elohim from the womb to the day of his death. And Manoah prayed to Yahuwah and said, O Yahuwah, please let the man of Elohim whom you sent come to us again and teach us what, do you, what to do for the youth who is to be born. And Elohim listened to the voice of Manoah, and the messenger of Elohim came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And the woman ran hurriedly and informed her husband and said to him, See, he has appeared to me, the man who came to me the other day. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man. And he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now let your words come true. What is to be the rule for the youth's life and his work? And the messenger of Yahweh said to Manoah, Let the woman guard all that I said to her. Let her not eat any food that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, or eat any unclean food. Let her guard all that, that which I have commanded her. And Manoah said to the messenger of Yahweh, Please, let us detain you and prepare a young goat for you. And the messenger of Yahweh said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I do not eat your food. But if you offer an ascending offering, Offer it to Yahuwah, for Manoah did not know that he was a messenger of Yahuwah. Your translation probably says angel, by the way. Then Manoah said to the messenger of Yahuwah, What is your name? When your words come true, then we shall esteem you. For the messenger of Yahuwah said to him, Why do you ask my name, since it is wondrous? And Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it upon the rock to Yahuwah. And he did wondrously, while Manoah and his wife looked on. And it came to be as the flame went up toward the heavens from the slaughter place that the messenger of Yahweh went up in the flame of the slaughter place. And Manoah and his wife were watching, and they fell on their faces to the ground. And the messenger of Yahweh did not appear any more to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was a messenger of Yahweh. And Manoah said to his wife, We shall certainly die, because we have seen Elohim. But his wife said to him, If Yahweh had been pleased to put us to death, he would not have accepted an ascending offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would we have would he have shown us all this, nor would he have let us hear the like of this. So the woman bore a son and called his name Shimshon or Samson. 
and the child grew, and Yahuwah blessed him. And the spirit of Yahuwah began to move, move him at Mahanadam <laughs> between Sora and Eshtaol. Doesn't look like he took his offering to a Levite. He's from the tribe of Dams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're correct, sir. Yeah. So, I uh, mean, it's... good. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, if you, if you look there, I don't know. I may have a Bible that actually has a footnote next to it. Yes, this is it? So Manoah took the kid uh, with a meat offering and offered upon a rock unto the Lord. And the angel did wondrously. And Manoah and his wife looked on. So they extinct. <laughs> The angel of the Lord accepted the offer. Mm-hmm. Well, or, or did they take it, or did they take it to or did they take it to the angel of the Lord and offer it? You know what I'm saying? And he offered it or well, he said he was gonna make the offering to begin with. Right. He said, I won't eat your food, but if you want to prepare it, offer it to the Lord. And it, it also says he offered it, offered them on a rock to the Lord. Yeah. So, so that would be a that's not made out of cut stone or mm -hmm. in stone. Mm -hmm. Just like Noah I mean, made. They had an altar. Yeah, it's like Noah made when he got off the boat. Mm-hmm. For an offering, yeah, that interesting. Yeah. Yep. Instead of getting all kinds of other stuff. <laughs> So we'll go to Ezekiel 43. Read 18 through 27, which is the end. <clears throat> and it says, And he said to me, Son of man, Thus said the master Yahuwah, these are the laws for the slaughter place on the day when it, was, when it is made, for offering ascending offerings on it, and for sprinkling blood on it. And you shall give a young bull for a sin offering to the priests, the Levites, who are the seed of Zadok, or Sadok, who approach unto me, declares the master Yahuwah. And you shall take some of its blood and put it on the four horns of the slaughter place, on the four corners of the ledge, and on the rim around it, and shall cleanse it and make atonement for it. 
and you shall take the bull of the sin offering and shall burn it on the appointed place of the house outside the set-apart place. And on the second day, you bring a male goat, a perfect one, for a sin offering, and they shall cleanse the slaughter place as they cleansed it with the bull. And when you have ended cleansing it, bring a young bull, a perfect one, and a ram from the flock, a perfect one, and you shall bring them before Yahweh, and the priests shall throw salt on them and offer them up as an ascending offering to Yahweh. Prepare a goat for a sin offering daily for seven days, and prepare a young bull and a ram from the flock, perfect ones, for seven days. They shall make atonement for the slaughter place, and cleanse it, and ordain it. And when these days are completed, it shall be on the eighth day and thereafter that the priests make your ascending offerings and your peace offerings on the slaughter place, and I shall accept you, declares the Master Yahuwah. So there's a trespass offering, a burn offering, a peace offering, a grain offering, and a drink offering, right? Yeah, fellowship offering. And each one of them has to be made for each tribe? Each one has a specific purpose. So like you have, like there's a, a sin offering, a guilt offering, um, a grain offering. And you have burnt offerings, which are also called the ascending offering because it, it just ascends. You don't, it's not eaten. Um, you had, yep. so the sin offering, guilt offering, burnt offering, grain offering, fellowship offering. Spot. Fellowship offering is the peace offering, or thank offering, or vow offering, or free will offering. I think the only ones that specifically had to be made by the priests, as far as I can tell, based on reading everything from the Old Testament that speaks of other individuals outside of a Le Levitical priesthood that made offerings, uh, the only ones that had to be made by the priests were the sin and the guilt offering. Burnt offerings, we just read about Manoah um, making an offering. Manoah was a Danite. He's a tribe of Dan. Um, Noah made burnt offerings. Um, 
Didn't King David? David made – he brought the threshing floor of um, – his name escapes me, but it starts with an O. Oh. Um. A holy ad, maybe? I don't know. I don't want to butcher it. <laughs> yeah, I mean – yeah, he made – he made offerings. Um, yeah. Which again goes back to Exodus 20. Very end of Exodus 20. I'll just go ahead and read it since I've mentioned it twice now. Very end of Exodus 20. After the Ten Commandments are given, it says, um, So you see in verse 23, you do not make besides me mighty ones of silver, and you do not make mighty ones of gold for yourselves. Then he says, Make a slaughter place or an altar of earth. For me, and you shall slaughter on it your ascending offerings and your peace offerings, right? Your sheep and your cattle, and every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I shall come to you and bless you. And if you make me a slaughter place of stone, do not build of it cut stone, for it if you use your chisel on it, you have profaned it. Nor do you go up my steps to my slaughter place, lest your nakedness be exposed on it. Also, Naaman. Naaman, after he was cleansed in the Jordan, Naaman was not even an Israelite. And when he got done cleansing himself of his leprosy, he goes back to Elisha and he says, give me two wagons full of dirt and I will only slaughter burnt offerings to Yahweh. No more will I do any offerings to any other God, because I know now that there is only one true God, and it is the God of Israel. And he wanted those two carts of dirt to make an altar of dirt. So then you see in um, Jonah, the individuals making the sacrifices and stuff, they weren't Levites. So, do you think the people in Nineveh sacrifices? I don't doubt it. They, they repented. They repented. Yeah, for a time, but they repented. Just for a little bit. Y'all want to read some Amos? Amos is uh, Jerry Dyer's brother. He come to the barn raising the last Sunday. And... <laughs> no, no, no. Thus said Yahweh, for three transgressions of Moab and for four, I do not turn it back because he burned the bones of the sovereign of Edom to lime. But I shall send fire upon Moab and it shall consume the palaces of Kiriath and Moab shall die amid uproar with a cry and with a voice of a shofar. And I shall cut off the judge from its midst and kill all its heads with him, said Yahuwah. Thus said Yahuwah, for three transgressions of Yehuda and for four, 
I do not turn it back, because they have rejected the Torah of Yahweh and did not guard his laws, and their lies after which their fathers walked led them astray. But I shall send fire upon Yehuda, and it shall consume the palaces of Jerusalem. Thus said Yahweh, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I do not turn it back, because they sell the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of sandals, who crush the head of the poor ones in the dust of the earth and turn aside the way of the meek. And a man and his father go into the same girl to defile my set-apart name. And they lie down by every slaughter place on garments taken in pledge and in the house of their mighty one, they drink the wine of those who have been fined. Yet I destroyed the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of the cedars, and he was as strong as the oaks. Yet I destroyed his fruit from above, his, or from above and his roots from beneath. And I brought you up from the land of Mitzrayim and led you 40 years through the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. And I raised up some of your sons as prophets and some of your young men as Nazarites. Not so? O oh, you children of Israel, declares Yahweh. But you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets, saying, Do not prophesy. See, I am weighed down by you, as a wagon is weighed down when filled with sheaves, and, and a place to flee shall perish, perish from the swift, and the strong not fortify his power, and the mighty not save his life. And he who handles the bow not stand. And the swift of foot not save, nor he who rides a horse shall save his life. And the one potent of his heart among the mighty flee naked in that day, declares Yahweh. That's what happens when them kings has got all them wives and start building them places around the temple for them to worship their gods. Yep. It's funny how he's calling out all the tribes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He's yes, calling sir. out Judah, Israel, who the covenant's made with in Jeremiah 31. But he's calling them out, saying that, you know, they have despised the law of the Lord, have not kept the commandments, and in their lies caused them to err, after the which their fathers have walked. That was for Judah. And then Israel got, you know, Nazarites to drink and prophets not to prophesy. And mm -hmm. I don't know if I would want to, you know, you're always told to, you need to listen to big brother Judah and, you know, nah. They're still doing the same thing. Uh I just listen to the Bible. Huh? I just listen to the Bible. Exactly. Oh, if Ryan was in here, he would have hollered at the Holy Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, We're going to read some Maccabees now. First Maccabees, chapter 3, verse 38 through 60. 
which is the end. <clears throat> I already don't know how to pronounce these. Or pronounce these. It says, <laughs> Lysias chose Ptolemy, son of Dor- Dorimenes and Nicanor and Gorgias. <laughs> I'm sure it's not how it's pronounced, but anyways, <laughs> able men from among the friends of the king and sent him, <laughs> sent with him 40,000 infantry and 7,000 cavalry to go into the land of Judah and destroy it as the king had commanded. So they set out with their entire force, and when they arrived, they encamped near Emmaus in the plain. When the traders of the region heard what was said to them, they took silver and gold in immense amounts and fetters and went to the camp to get the Israelites for slaves. And forces from Syria and the land of the Philistines joined with them. Now Judas and his brothers saw that misfortunes had increased and that the forces were encamped in their territory. They also learned what the king had commanded to do to the people to cause their final destruction. But they said to one another, let us restore the ruins of our people and fight for our people and the sanctuary. So the congregation assembled to be ready for battle and to pray and ask for mercy and compassion. Jerusalem was uninhabited like a wilderness. Not one of her children went in or out. The sanctuary was trampled down and aliens held the citadel. It was a lodging place for the Gentiles. Joy was taken from Jacob. The flute and the harp ceased to play. Then they gathered together and went to Mizpah, up opposite Jerusalem, because Israel formerly had a place of prayer in Mizpah. They fasted that day, put on sackcloth and sprinkled ashes on their head and tore their clothes. And they opened the book of the law to inquire into those matters about which the Gentiles consulted the likenesses of their gods. They also brought the vestments of the priesthood and the first fruits and the tithes, and they stirred up the Nazarites who had completed their days, and they cried aloud to heaven, saying, What shall we do with these? Where shall we take them? Your sanctuary is trampled down and profaned. Your priests mourn in humiliation. Here the Gentiles are assembled against us to destroy us. You know what they plot against us. How will we be, how will we be able to withstand them if you do not help us? Then they sounded the trumpets and gave a loud shout. After this, Judas appointed leaders of the people in charges of thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. Those who were building houses or were about to be married, who were planting vineyards or were faint-hearted, he told to go home according to the law. Then, army, then the army marched out and encamped to the south of Emmaus, And Judas said, arm yourselves and be courageous. Be ready early in the morning to fight with these Gentiles who have assembled against us to destroy us and our sanctuary. It is better for us to die in battle than to see the misfortunes of our nation and of the sanctuary. But as his will in heaven may be, so shall he do. And we just read that part of the... uh, Law not too long, not too long ago in the Torah. Anybody that is building houses was about to be married, plant who had just planted a, a vineyard, who was faint-hearted. You know, don't go out to war. Said, don't go out to war. 
Don't go out to war. That's the no. father. Hmm? Do what? Unless the father instructs you. No, if you're if you're newly married, uh, building a house, you planted a vineyard, or you're faint-hearted, don't go to war. I'm saying unless you hear different. What if the father says, all right, I know I need to do this? I mean, it's possible, but he said in his law not to. (laughs) I was going to say, that's what we read not too long ago. And the reason being is because if you built a house, you haven't even got to dwell in it. Or if you're building a house, you haven't got to dwell in it. For the entire first year, you're supposed to be with your wife so that you can, first of all, populate. (laughs) Um, And enjoy the wife of your youth. Uh, If you had just planted a vineyard, you don't go to war because until you have tried the fruits of your vineyard, because for the first three years, you don't eat at a vineyard. And then if you're faint-hearted, you don't go because obviously we see how that went with uh, the spies with um, Joseph or Joshua, not Joseph, Joshua and uh, Caleb. The other 10 come back and we're like, bro, there's giants, man. We're all going to die. <laughs> wouldn't the Maccabee war? Wouldn't that where they said if we don't fight on the Sabbath, we're going to die, and they fought on the Sabbath, or is that another war? There, there, there was there was a portion in the Maccabees, yeah, where that was a where that happened. Don't ask me where it's at. I haven't read all of Maccabees. And one more Why question. Maccabees. I'm never read it, so y'all correct me. Do you think the Maccabees that we that came out and fought was is the Zedek line? I do not know. I can't answer that. You know what I can do? Finish reading the first Peter two five. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're gonna go to the the stuff on the bottom left hand side now. This is a kind of a bounce around, but first Peter two five. Um, we'll start in four. Is drawing near to him a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by Elohim and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a set apart priesthood to offer up spiritual slaughter offerings acceptable to Elohim through Yeshua Messiah. Then Romans 12 1. Backwards a little bit. As I call upon you, therefore, brothers, through the compassion of Elohim, to present your bodies a living offering set apart, well-pleasing to Elohim, your reasonable worship. 
And then First Thessalonians, one, nine through ten. Says, are we supposed to read more of this one? For they themselves report what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to Elohim from idols to serve the living and true Elohim and to wait for his son from heavens or from the heavens whom he raised from the dead Yeshua who is delivering us from the wrath to come but there was one that we added that let's read more of now we'll go to Luke and then Acts which we jumped the gun on early. Luke 1, 11 through 20 says, <clears throat> And a messenger of Yahweh appeared to him, standing on the right side of the slaughter place of incense. This is John the Baptist's father. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the messenger said to him, Do not be afraid. Zechariah, for your prayer is heard, and your wife, Elisheba, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Yohanan. And you shall have joy and gladness, for many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great before Yahweh, and shall drink no wine and strong drink at all. And he shall be filled with the set-apart spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he shall turn many of the children of Israel to Yahweh their Elohim. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Eliyahu to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the insight of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for Yahweh. And Zechariah said to the messenger, by what shall I know this? For I am old and my wife is advanced in years. And the messenger answering said to him, I am Gabriel or Gabriel who stands in the presence of Elohim and was sent to speak to you and announce to you this good news. But see, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day this takes place, because you did not believe my words, which shall be filled in their appointed time. Then he was kicked out because he was mute. He can't be mute serving in retention. Now we'll go to Acts 21, 15 through 36. It says, After those days, having made ready, we went up to Jerusalem, and also some of the top ones from Caesarea went with us and brought with them one, Nason of Cyprus, an early taught one with whom we were to lodge. And when we had arrived in Jerusalem, the brothers rejoiced or received us gladly. And on the following day, Shaul, Paul, went in with us to Yehob, and all the elders came. And having greeted them, he was relating one by one what Elohim had done among the nations through his service. And when they heard it, they praised the master, and they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands of Yehudim there are who have believed, and all are ardent for the Torah. But they have been informed about you, that you teach all the Yehudim, who are among the nations to forsake Moshe, saying not to circumcise their children, nor to walk according to the practices. What then is it? 
they shall certainly hear that you have come. So do this, what we say to you. We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them and be cleansed with them and pay their expenses so that they shave their heads and all shall know that what they have been informed about you is not so, but that you yourself also walk orderly keeping the Torah. But concerning the nations who believe, we have written and decided that they should keep themselves from what is offered to idols and blood and what is strangled and whoring. Then Shaul took the men on the, on the next day and having been cleansed with them, went into the set-apart place to announce the completion of the days of separation until the offering should be presented for each one of them. And when the seven days were almost ended, the Yehudim from Asia, seeing him in the set-apart place, were stirring up all the crowd, and they laid hands on him, crying, Men of Yisrael, help! This is the man who is teaching all, all men everywhere against the people and the Torah and this place. And besides, he is also... He also brought Greeks into the set-apart place and has profaned the set-apart place because they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian with him in the city whom they brought, whom they thought that Shaul brought into the slaughter place or the set-apart place. And the entire city was moved, and the people rushed together, seized Shaul, and dragged him out of the set-apart place, and immediately the doors were shut. And while they were seeking to kill him, a report came to the commander of the company of soldiers that all Jerusalem was in confusion. At once he took soldiers and captains and ran down to them, and they, having seen the commander and the soldiers, stopped, stopped beating Shaul. Then the commander came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and was asking who he was and what he had done. And in the crowd, some were shouting this and others that, and not being able to ascertain the truth because of the uproar, he commanded him to be taken into the barracks. When he came to the stairs, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the, because of the violence of the crowd, for a large number of the people followed after crying away with him. And as Shaul was about to be led into the barracks, he said to the commander, Am I allowed to say somewhat to you? And he said, Do you know Greek? Are you not the Mitzrite who some time ago stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 assassins out into the wilderness? But Shaul replied, I am a Yehudi from Tarsus in Kilikia, a citizen of no mean city. And I beg you, allow me to speak to the people. And having given him permission... Shaul, standing on the stairs, motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great silence, he spoke in the Hebrew language, saying, it goes on. I know I read more than what I was supposed to, but <laughs> we'll finish with Hebrews. Chapter 7, 11 through 17. It says, truly then, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people were given the Torah, why was there still need for another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed or transferred, <laughs> transferred of necessity, there takes place a change of law also. 
For he of whom this is said belongs to another tribe from which no one had attended to at the slaughter place. For it is perfectly clear that our master arose from Yehuda, a tribe about which Moshe never spoke of concerning priesthood. And this is clearer still. If another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become not according to the Torah of fleshly command, but according to the power of an endless life, for he does witness, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, which is Psalms 110. 